Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Guys, let's, uh, let's pray before we start. And then I'm gonna ask, would, would you, right where you are, would you ask the Lord to speak to you? Ask him to speak to you. What do you need from him? Be brutally honest. Tell him the truth of what you feel like you need. Father, we just ask that you would just speak now. We're gonna open up your word and we know that it speaks and it's sharp as a sword and it's dividing to the joints and marrow of our soul. So God, we pray that you would uh, enlighten us, move us, change us, mold us into the people that you want us to be, God. I pray for refreshment in the room, Lord. I just pray for fresh air to just breathe life into those who are hurting and need encouragement, oh God. And I pray for healing and wounds that are hurt and wounded, God. I pray for uh, your presence to fall fresh and anew upon us as we go through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you got your Bible, if you got your phone, type in. We're going to keep going uh, through Philippians. Um, and then Philippians 4 and we're just going to focus on five verses, uh, Philippians 4, 2 through 7. And Philippians is kind of like, it's toward like kind of the end of the book. You, if that helps you, good luck. And if you need to type it in, you don't know how to spell Philippians, it's P-H-I-L-I-P-P-I-A-N-S, okay? Look up, read, read Philippians 4, 2 through 7. And uh, as you read, just, just ask, ask the Lord, just, hey, Lord, highlight some things to me. What do I need to see in this? I'm going to give you a moment. How was your week this week, anybody? It's great. Awesome. Do you ever have one of those weeks that was just, you just felt like the week was against you? Anybody? Let me just tell you how I woke up. What, what day was that? Saturday? Yesterday. It was yesterday. I woke up to a text from my neighbor that said, your pig has gotten out of the fence. We've recently planted new grass that was growing freshly. It has ravaged my new grass. And I really like our friendship, and I don't want this to get in the way. Could you do something about this pig? I wake up in like a fury, you know? We wake up to one of our kids barking, right, at 6 a.m., 6 a.m. on a Saturday, barking loudly, as then the baby starts crying, then the text about a pig, you know? Let's go. Anybody with me? Bet none of y'all have a pig. Don't get one if you got kids. So get up. Baby's crying. Good luck, Shannon. I'm going to go find this pig. Take care of the pig. I don't know if you've ever tried to catch a pig, but it's near impossible. I know some of y'all frat boys have done a bunch of that, but like, that ain't me. Still couldn't catch this pig, you know? And so I go and I'm like, apologize to the neighbor. I'm like trying to plant grass for them. I have two jobs that I've committed my life to, to help this guy before I go out of town. I've got to like spread all this gravel out. 
I go down to Home Depot after I get my stinking pig into the area and smooth it out with my neighbor. I go down to Home Depot and I'm getting all the tools to do my job. I'm calling Peyton for advice because heck if I know what I'm doing, you know. And I wish Paxton was here because Paxton went with me and he understands and feels all of my pain because we get this thing down and it's like, it's a big piece of equipment and I realize that the parking brake is jammed when I show up and it doesn't move. And I'm like, call Home Depot. I'm like, hey, Home Depot, what do you do if the parking brake won't release? It's in the middle of the road. They're like, well, we'll show up on Monday. You know, I'm like, well, this neighborhood's about to be hacked. You know what I mean? Like, this is not good. So I'll figure out how to hammer this thing out. Long story short, man, long story short, I end this day and the sun is going down. Like, and I went from 6 a.m. looking for a pig uh, to like 8 p.m. where the sun is going down. I'm by myself and I finally got this thing rolling and I'm just like crushing through clay and rocks and I'm mad. I'm just mad. I don't want to do this. And I feel in my heart, man, as I'm, I'm thinking about y'all and I'm like, God, I don't feel like prepared for this. I went through a day of hell and I need time. Like I don't have enough time to do everything I need to do because when I get home, it's eight o'clock and I haven't seen my family. Anybody got, I got four kids. They don't know dad, you know? And I'm just mad. Anybody been there? So I do the thing that I do, like when I, when I ask us, we're going to pray, ask God, because I know God can handle what you feel. And I think a lot of times we try to put this like framework around how we pray and, and what it is, and we try to say the right words to him, and we just never tell him the real. And I was just telling him, I'm like, I'm mad, man. I don't have time. I don't feel prepared. And I heard like a thought, it was like an instant thought. It was like competed. It came against what I just said. And it said, I'm helping you prepare right now. And I'm like, no, 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 you're not. Because I wouldn't be going through this if you were helping me prepare. The heck does that mean? The thought came again. And I'm like having a conversation and thoughts are coming to my mind. What's the passage you're about to talk about? What's the first verse? Peyton, what's the first, what's the first verse? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. That's what I heard. Rejoice in the Lord always. Hey, again, I'm going to tell you rejoice. I'm like, how the heck am I going to rejoice while I'm trying to get through dirt that doesn't move? I can't rejoice. I'm like upset. And guys, I don't know about you, but I've read this verse so many times and I've felt guilty a lot of my life because I've gone to jobs that I've hated and I'm like, well, I really should be rejoicing, anybody? You know what I mean? I mean, the Bible tells me to rejoice and I just don't feel like rejoicing. And I mean, I guess I better rejoice. So God, thank you for the hell that I'm going through. I mean, really, like that's what a lot of our theology is like, God, thanks for the hell. Like, here we go. I guess you're good, but you're kind of mean. <laughs> right? But it's not saying like rejoice because of what's happening to you. Rejoice because of me. I'm worth rejoicing in. And I want to be really careful because I think a lot of our like bend is sometimes to like fight against those emotions when I'm feeling sad, when I'm feeling hurt. Don't be hurt, rejoice. 
It's okay to hurt. The scripture says, hey, is anybody among you hurting? Come before the church. Pray for one another. Lift each other up. So are you hurting today? Welcome to the party. I had a heck of a week of hurt. I'm tired. But what God spoke to me, it was like as I prayed and as I heard from him, he was like, you can rejoice in me right now because I want to give you something you're not walking in right now. I want to give to you my peace. I'm so generous. I'm not stingy. I'm waiting for you. I'm not going to force myself upon you, but when you're ready, I'm right here. And y'all, I had just a profound experience as I shoveled dirt at 8 p.m., as I begin to contemplate and think back the past couple of weeks what we've been talking about, work out your saving with fear and trembling. Like get to the point where Jesus matters so much that literally I feel the weight, exactly what Otho was saying. I feel the weight of God's grace and kindness coming upon me, not what is happening in my circumstance. Because listen, if you look for the peace in any circumstance, you will find yourself disappointed if you look for peace in relationships or what other people are doing to you or for you, you will be disappointed. What he's saying is, no, 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 no. In the middle of your circumstance, rejoice in me. Well, God, why the heck would you allow this stuff to happen? Aren't you in charge? Anybody? This is going through some of our minds. Yeah, if he's that good and worthy of rejoicing, why would he let this happen? But here's the reality, what I believe is if everybody was actually doing what God called them to do, everybody would be experiencing heaven, right? If all I thought about was you, you're gonna experience heaven from me. If all you thought about was me, I would experience heaven from you. Can you imagine if we went to the grocery store and nobody thought of themselves but only for you? If we went to work and your boss only thought about what mattered in your life and I'm here for you, we can do this job together. Y'all, the world is a different place. It's transformed. And so we say, God, why have you allowed this to happen to me? Why are they doing this to me? Can't you stop it? And I'm, I'm, I'm here to say, like, if he were to be just and stop it in their life, he will stop it in yours. And I'm so glad what Otho said I'm so glad for the grace of God in my life. I'm so glad. Are you so glad he hasn't just stopped you in your tracks and finished you off? Anybody? Oftentimes I would rather him finish other people off. But I don't see myself very well. And if I'm really honest, I care a lot more about me than you. I'm really thankful for the grace of God. Rejoice in him always. And when you feel the weight of that, when you allow yourself to step into just the truth, it's just true. I wish it wasn't, but it's true. And I step in there, I can begin to feel the weight of God's grace and the weight of his heaviness of peace begins to fall upon you. But if you sit in the weight of your circumstance, you will feel the heaviness of that circumstance. If your mind is fixated on your problems, you're gonna feel the weight of every one of those problems. That's why he says, when you're ready, guys, when you're ready, Come to me, everybody who feels heavy laden and burdened. I just want to give you rest. We can rejoice in him because he wants to give you rest. And listen to this. Let's, let's, let's look at this verse for a second. What does it say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm going to say rejoice. 
let your reasonableness be known to everybody. So when you rejoice in him always, here's what's gonna happen to you. You're gonna steady out and become really reasonable. It's gonna be odd because you're gonna be at peace because man, if God is really above everything and you have found peace with him, what could supersede him? If he's your forefront, number one in your thoughts, what can supersede the reality that God has loved you and called you to himself? Nothing. So you know what? When somebody comes against you or problems happen and you're digging up rocks, I got God, baby, let's go. He's with me. What does the next verse say? I am near. The Lord is at hand is the ESV. The word Lord is at hand literally means I am near. Anybody in the room not feel like God is near you? I am near you. Do you know why he's near you? A lot of times I don't feel like he's near. I didn't feel like he was near me when I was nearly about to off somebody because I'm not able to get through the clay. But Ephesians 2.13 says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You might not feel near, but our faith is in the reality of that God has brought you near. And the reality of us realizing that comes in something I wanna share with you really quick. Oh my goodness, this might be really good. It's a little bit out of order, but I don't care. Listen to this. The impulse to pursue God originates with God. This is A.W. Tozer. The impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. And all the time that we are pursuing him, we are already in his hands. Your right hand upholds me, he says. We talked about this in Philippians 2.13. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. If you feel far from God, I want you to maybe experience a new realm of God right now. If you came in this room, you desired, you were pursuing God in some way or fashion, whether it's a lot or a little, you showed up. And I just want to tell you, like some of you worked hard to get here, right? Maybe not. You wanted to show up because you want to experience God. I'm hungry for him. You might feel far from him, but you're still hungry for him. I want God. And I find, I talk to so many people, I just want more of him but I feel like he's so far. What Philippians tells us is, if you actually want him, it's God working in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do you understand that that's an experience with God? The fact that you want him is him calling you to himself? Do you yearn for him? Then it is God working in you so much. Understand who to blame. God is at work in your life. But here's our part. He continues, on our part, there must be a positive reciprocation if this secret drawing of God is to eventuate into identifiable experience of the divine. In other words, anybody, come on now, A.W. Tozer. On our part, there must be positive reciprocation so what that means is if you recognize that God is drawing you to himself and you yearn for him, when he shows you his way and will, we say yes. 
And when you say yes and you begin to walk with him, you will experience the divine. Some of us are sitting still longing for the divine, wanting him to show up, but we never say yes to his call on our life. You want to experience the divine? Say yes. Walk with Jesus. And if you walk with Jesus, you will experience divine. Whew. Yes. It's dependent. He's calling you yes. But our response is also necessary to say, I say a further, I will go. I will come with you. As you've called me, I give you my yes. As you give yes, divine experience is there. So guys, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'm gonna say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everybody. The Lord is so near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. I love what one pastor said. Uh, I think it was Craig Rochelle. He said, there's a reason why this is don't be anxious about anything, because there's a real temptation for us to be anxious about everything. Anybody just feel anxious a little bit in this time and season of our lives? Feel anxious about what's happening in the world? It says don't be anxious because this is our natural bend to be anxious and fearful. So what Craig Rochelle said, he says, let your anxiety not be something that takes you deeper into the hole of despair. Let your anxiety be a warning sign that it's time to pray. Are you afraid? Let it become a warning sign in your life. You begin to feel anxious, stop, pause, recognize the circumstance that may be driving and becoming bigger. Step into prayer and watch God get bigger in prayer. Work your way to thankfulness and experience him. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And then, guys, here's what happens. I think it's a very important strategy of prayer in there. Pray until you can work your way to thankfulness. Pray yourself free. Pray yourself out. Pray all of those things out until you get to the place of, huh, God, you're way big. Thank you. And then here's what's gonna happen. The peace of God, which doesn't make sense. Doesn't, it almost feels guilty that I, I'm experiencing the peace of God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What is the situation that Paul writes this to? Now verse two. He writes to a group of people, a church, a powerful church, who supported missionary journeys. They've given money. They've given time. They're good leaders. They're good servant-hearted people. And they've begun to argue a little bit. And he says, here's, here's the context of why he's saying, hey, rejoice always. Because here's what began to happen. I plead with you, Yodia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to be, on the be of the same mind in the Lord. There it is again of the Lord, connect with him and have his mind. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are written in the book of life. Man, y'all, our names are written in heaven and we've been going after this thing. We've been contending. The word contend is literally compete. We've been competing on the same team. 
we'd be going in the same direction. And now you guys are having friction on the team. And guys, as we have conflict on the team, which is inevitable, Josh playing at, at UT, telling me some of the fights y'all experienced, right? You had friction on the team. Brawls, right? There's friction on every team, man. Jay, you understand? Lester, you understand? There's just crazy friction on the team. Here's what happens in a relationship when you guys go into uh, conflict. That means one person's going this way and one person desires to go this way and you end up hitting and you, you have friction moving in two different directions. We're, we're not really meant to have friction. We're meant to be going in one direction with the heart of God and we're all clear. But we're so wayward all the time, you know? We, we wanna go our way. And here, can I tell you something? That conflict in your life is gonna direct you or compel you, I shouldn't say direct, it's gonna compel you inward, wayward, or toward. Conflict in your life is gonna compel you inward, wayward, or toward. I'm gonna tell you what I mean by that. If you're in ministry of any kind uh, and you're following after the king and you're in kingdom advance, here's the temptation. When you're going after Jesus, you love him and you're helping other people along. You say, come on, come on, come on. Hey, come on, come on. There's, there's some times where people say, no, right? No, don't wanna go with you. Hey, in fact, you, you frustrate me. You bother me. And you go, I thought everybody loved me. Right? Any of you sensitive people out there? I thought everybody loved me. What about me is not lovable. You don't say this out loud because it hurts so bad. You go home and you think about it. You look in the mirror and be like, what about me needs to change? I, gotta, I need to change, man. Maybe, I think the problem is me. Man, I... I, you know what, I, I, I just won't speak up as much because when I speak up, I, I want to put my foot in my mouth and I just want to make everybody happy and I, I don't want anybody to be upset with me and so I just sit in the background and I'll just chill, you know? Like, I'm here, I'm here, but I don't want to talk. Inward. And you find yourself, eventually, if you stay in that, you get so recluse, so introspective, that you begin to project and you say, they should know how I feel, but nobody understands me. I've been there. I've been there. I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. I don't want to make anybody frustrated. I just want you to like me. And you know what ends up happening? Nobody likes that. Nobody likes you more. <laughs> nobody. Frustrating. You need to live in lies, man. Keep going, friend. Keep going. You don't have to stay inward. Love the people that God has put in your life and the ones who reject you. Remember what Jesus said. They haven't rejected you. They rejected me. Keep going, friend. Wayward. Now, I don't, I'm not going to go inward, but I'm going away from here. 
And in fact, I might join them on their way out because it looks a lot easier and a lot better than this life that we're talking about. You find yourself following those people who say, no, no, Jesus is okay, but like, I'm having a great time. I don't need none of that. My life is fine. You end up following on the way out. Some of you might be sitting there now and, and you find yourself down the road and you actually don't appreciate where you find yourself. Been there. Anybody else? Been there. And I pray you hear the kind words of our Savior. He came to seek and save those who were lost. He's seeking for you. He's looking after you. He's finding you. He's drawing you. If you're here right now, he's calling you. Never going to give up on you. That's our king. If you're wayward, he's coming. You can hear him now. Toward. You're only going to move toward a person who's causing friction in your life if you realize the weight of the one who actually came towards you when you were creating friction toward him. When you were saying no, he was coming. Yes, I don't, I'm here for you. I'm, I'm gonna continue with you. I'm coming after you. I'm not gonna give up on you. I'm after you, I love you. You're only gonna go toward the person who's causing you conflict in your life, which is our calling is if you're overcome, like Otho said, by the weight of the one who pressed in towards you in your moment of challenge and weakness, just pressed towards you. Are you overcome by that? Have you been undone lately by the fact that he's pressed in and as you said no? As you haven't rejoiced over him? Oh, he's saying over you. I think I've sat in a lot of church services, y'all. I don't know if you went to the grocery store as a kid. This is like such a change of pace, but I think it's good. I go to a grocery store called Butler and Bailey. Anybody, Rocky Hill? Anybody? Come on now, Rocky Hill, y'all. My peoples. (laughs) We go into Rocky Hill, and I went in there, y'all, because I wanted an illustration for today, and they wouldn't give it to me. I was like, can I borrow one of the tiny carts for four hours? We just need a tiny cart. No. Cool. So I pray I'll paint a good picture for you. In the tiny cart, my kids fight over these and they got two. I have four kids, you know? So there's a giant fight every time, it's awesome. And uh, there's a tiny cart and we carry those around like a train all the way through that grocery store. And we pile in our family groceries into this train of grocery carts. And if you sit in messages like this, I think a lot of times I have done this and said, I need some more uh, rejoicing in my life. So I'm going to pull that off the shelf. And I'm like, I'm really going to rejoice a lot more this week. Anybody going to practice? You know, I need some patience. So I'm going to grab patience and I'm going to put it in the cart. I mean, I really need to love because it's just hard to love. And I just take three gallons of love and put it in this tiny cart, you know. But what happens when you get the tiny carts jam-packed full it loses its ability to steer. And my kids can't push it anymore. So they say, dad, it's too heavy. 
And so you understand with two carts filled, I end up one hand right here, one hand right here, not trying to hit my heel with the other one, you know? I'm pushing them through this. Everybody's laughing like, so cute. I'm like, thanks, it's great. Pulling these two baby carts filled with stuff. And I think a lot of our times, our idea of repentance is something like that. Like I really need to add to my cart of goods, of life transformation, of becoming the best version of myself. And I've filled my cart for years and it's piled high and I'm tired. I'm tired. And I think what we have to, in order to get to rejoicing, we've got to be relieved. We got to be lifted, anybody? If you add to my cart, I'm going to die. I have no ability to rejoice because Jesus, all you do is want me to do more for you. I have no more margin. And what, what the idea of the scripture and the gospel is, is that we repent from our own efforts and we step into receiving and recognizing the fact that I'm not undone by your love. I have not received your love. I've not appreciated it because you haven't done much for me. I've been doing a lot more for you. And our repentance is this idea that I gotta turn from looking at myself and getting introspective or getting wayward. And I gotta step toward the one who stepped toward me. And I gotta open up my hands and say, okay, God, you actually love me. I'm having a hard time believing it, but I receive from you what you're saying you offer me. <laughs> Repent and actually realize the amount of time you're unable to rejoice in him because you're not thinking about how great he is. You're thinking more about how great you are and how great you could be. And if you could only be more patient and more loving, you could really make a difference. And it's this introspective, self-centered Christianity that so many of us have bought into. And I encourage you, would you repent away from that? And would you turn toward the one and recognize as much as we're called to rejoice, there's another level of a deep sadness, a deep heaviness that TC was talking about, a broken and contrite heart. Because the reality is, if you're not rejoicing, you're not captivated by the love of God, turn back away from yourself and recognize that he has loved you so much. Have you recognized how much you have not loved him so much? Father, I just pray right now that you would help us get to that place where salvation is just heavy, where it's wonderful, that we're in awe like the first time when you met us and we were in awe of the fact that you actually would save us. Who am I that you were mindful of me? Pray that in Jesus' name. I'll close with this today. I love this letter that Paul writes to this church because if you see in your life that you've struggled with rejoicing, I just want to encourage you, like, I believe this life of just being excited and thankful for Jesus is a lot of times grown and through the experience of walking with him, you realize he hasn't left you. 
He's not done with you. And when you enter the kingdom where Jesus becomes king of your life, the process starts normal. Like you're like, obviously, when Jesus comes into my life, he's gonna do a couple things, right? C.S. Lewis says it like this, like Jesus then comes in, the king comes into your life and he begins to set up his kingdom, right? And he begins to fix like the leaky places in the roof of your life. And you're like, oh yeah, that needed fixed. That was great. Man, Jesus, you're awesome. He begins to set up, put up gutters and he paints the house of, your, of, of the kingdom he's building in your life. We go, oh yeah, that was, that was great. This looks awesome. And then Jesus pulls out a sledgehammer and he just bashes out one of the sidewalls. And you're like, oh my gosh, I love that wall. I built it myself. It was beautiful, that picture I liked. He tears out one wall and then he goes to the second one and he's just banging it through. And you're like, what are you doing? Stop. And then all of a sudden he doesn't start breaking things. He starts building new stuff. And it's more than you thought. It's like, well, I didn't see that coming. That was better than I had there. I guess that's cool, you know? Okay. Then he blows out a whole side wing of your house. The out's exposed. He builds courtyards. He builds playgrounds. C.S. Lewis says, why would he do something like this? Because he himself intends to come live there. He's building his home in you. He's setting up his kingdom. And the reality was when we step into the king's kingdom and we forsake our own kingdom, it can feel like we're losing so much, right? But here's the reality. He's building far more than we could have ever thought or imagined. And the experience of the divine is the response of yes. If you long to experience his nearness, reciprocate his call on your life as you sit here with yes, here I am, let's go. I'm in for it. I'm going with you, no matter the cost. And it might feel in some times that the walls of your house are bare and it's broken down and there's no way forward. This could never be great. He's gonna speak in that moment. He's gonna say, I'm gonna offer you peace that's not even understood in this moment. I'm gonna give you vision to see far beyond anything you've ever seen before. I'm gonna show up in ways you never expected of me because you didn't know me and now you can know me deeper. And as you know me deeper, then we can walk together and you're gonna reflect me right here in 2022 in Knoxville, Tennessee. And this city will never be the same because I showed up in your life and you said, yes, come on. That's the life the kingdom life. So now we come to this part that I pray uh, we were called to remember this symbol, this Jesus in this way. And if you came in today, you should have got a little cup, the cracker on the top. If you didn't get one of those, would you lift your hand? We got some guys back here that, yeah, yeah, we got a, got a bunch. Now we can know everybody who was late. Come on now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Shame, 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 shame. shame. 
As we think about this today, I want to I want to reframe. I want to pause here, and I don't want to miss this very very important element, which I believe can allow us to step deep into rejoicing today. In this process of life, we are meant for rejoicing. But in order to rejoice, we must repent from not being overcome by the love and good intentions of our King. We've got to turn another direction. If you are not overcome by the love of our Savior, King Jesus, then you have been overcome by something else. Allow that to rest heavy. Then here's where Jesus meets us. Because if we're all honest, we might not be there right now, but we've been there last week. And if you haven't been there last week, you were probably there a year ago at some point. And if you're not there then, you're probably going to feel this coming up. And here's the good news. In the middle of us recognizing that we have not been overcome by him, we have not lived a life of rejoicing. Jesus sits down with his closest and he says, "I want you guys to recognize something." And I'm going to make a brand new promise with you guys that I can that never going to be broken. It's going to stand forever, all time. I'm about to give up my body, and my body is about to be broken for you. When we get together as the church, we were told to remember this through these symbols: that Christ's body was broken for you, so that you could be made whole, so that rejoicing was available to you. Because without this good news, guys, rejoicing is circumstantial. Rejoicing is never in our circumstance; it's in the presence, and the presence was offered as a gift. His body was broken for you, and as we break this crack, we recognize, Father, I pray that we would experience the weight and reality that Your body was broken for us, that we would not be broken, but would be made whole. Thank you, Jesus. Break this and do in remembrance of Him. And after he broke the bread, he took the cup. He said, "Guys, this cup is a symbol of my blood, a new promise I make you in blood. I'm going to pour out my blood for you. I'm going to spill it out so that you can be brought near, so that you can be covered, that you can be cleansed, that you can be made whole. And today, rejoicing is available to you." Because his blood was poured out for you, take this as you remember the promise. Right where you are, wherever you are on the journey, would you just have a moment of prayer? We're gonna have a time of just prayer. Talk to him for a second about that. What you're experiencing, what's happening in life. Maybe you're not feeling rejoice, joyful. Talk to him about it. Ask him to help you work your way to thankfulness and experience the peace of God that passes our understanding. Let's take a minute.